You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin today by calling in the spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to those people who walked the earth, who lived well, who died well, who taught their children, who made art, who danced, who sang, and who communicated with their own helping spirits. So I call out to those ancestors to be with us here today and to help us, to help us, the living, be that unique link that we are for this short moment in time that we are alive that connects those who have been here and those who are coming. And we ask those ancestors to gather around and bring to us all that is good and true and beautiful in the lineages that make us who we are. And I call out to those ancestors to support us in bringing out the uniqueness of why each one of us is here. And I ask them simply to be with us here today and help us to remember that life is a miracle and that it is filled with great beauty and it is one of the wondrous aspects of the human that we can make beauty as well. So I give thanks to these ancestors for gathering round and I ask them to hold us, to teach us, to whisper in our ears, remind us not to go in that direction because they went there and it wasn't so good. And I ask them also to help us to celebrate those things in life that we do that are truly um, worthy of joy and expression and um, happiness. So I give thanks to these ancestors for gathering round. And with the ancestors encircling us, let us take a moment and focus our awareness from our heads or wherever it is, into our heads at least, and from our heads then to our hearts. And with the next breath from our hearts into our bellies, and with the next breath from our bellies to the earth. And as our energy touches the earth, let's take a moment and give thanks. Gratitude for this day. Gratitude for all that has been on your journey that has brought you to this moment. Those gifts we've realized were gifts and those we haven't quite figured out yet, we give thanks for it all. We give thanks for this moment, pregnant and empty. And we give thanks for all that is coming without needing to know precisely what that might be. So we give thanks to the earth for this place of beauty and diversity for our journey. And we give great gratitude for this wonder and awe-inspiring thing called life. And with gratitude in our hearts, we reach our energy all the way down through all the layers of the earth to the very center of the earth and connect there. And with gratitude, we draw the energy of the earth up, inviting this wisdom of manifestation to rise up and infuse our bodies, bringing into our bodies restoration, rejuvenation, replenishment. We call these energies up into our body that we might understand how to be grounded how to connect in a way that creates hearth and home and that we create hearth and home in a way that invites in the other 
in a way that shares that which we have in abundance and a way that is willing to receive from others. And we call out to the energy of the earth to help us to understand connection and interconnection and ultimately our place in this great oneness and this great web of life. And we give thanks to the earth for helping us to know that oneness for at least a moment in this day and take from that awareness right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment, and right relationship with the spirit world. So we give so much gratitude to the earth as we draw the energy of the earth up into our body and from our bellies up into our hearts, from our hearts into our minds, and let our energy rise up and out through our heads out into the sky and whatever weather it holds for you wherever you are on this planet. And out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos. And in this way we reach from our hearts and minds to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know this energy, name it for this moment. See yourself in it and it reflected in you. And draw this energy down, bringing in all the wisdom of the cosmos. And in this way we call into ourselves, into our proceedings, into our day. We call in the energy of protection the energy of blessing and generosity, devotion, commitment, benevolence, and inspiration. We call these energies in, down through all the layers of the sky, into our head and our heart and our belly, and take just a moment to savor the greeting of heaven and earth within us, these two great lovers, the yin and yang energies of legend. And we feel grateful for their infusion of that big love within us. And let that energy awaken the spirit of our own hearts and let the heart awaken into the great crucible that it is, unique in its ability to call up the fiery passions of the belly and call down the crystal clarity of the mind. And let these two energies dance in such a way that neither is destroyed, yet together they create this third and most sacred thing, the reason you are here your soul's purpose, your own unique genius. May you feel a memory of that, an energy of that, a passion for that in your heart in this moment. And may you find in that very same heart the courage that it takes to do something in this day to bring that gift into manifestation in the world. So we give thanks for all these spirit energies gathered around us here today. May what needs to be said be said, what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. And I'd also like to give thanks to those of you, uh, all, all of you listeners, and particularly to those who are able to donate to the show financially so that we can pay our bills and keep the show on the air and to keep it free for anyone who has access to the Internet. The archives are available on the whyshamanismnow.com site, iTunes, cocreator-network.com site, all over the place for free. And I give great thanks to those of you that helped me to make that happen. So I thank Lynn. I thank Joanne. I thank thank Sarah and Deb and all of you who have helped in that way. And I also give thanks to you who those of you who help but aren't able to help financially by sharing your ideas, sharing your questions, sharing the practice of the things that we are talking about in your life. For those of you who have been willing, as you've listened to this series on art and shamanism, to pick up a crayon and draw something, to sing in the shower, to do something to begin to act on what you hear in these shows is also a great gift. And I'm also eternally grateful for those of you that take the time to send me an email to tell me how these things are affecting your life. 
So thank you all. If you'd like to donate, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. Donate any amount, large or small. We are grateful for every ruble, euro, dollar, whatever. Um, We're thankful for all of it. And if you're uncomfortable donating via the internet, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I'd be happy to give you a regular old address for a regular old check. So thank you all. So today is our last chapter of our series here on art and shamanism. And our guest today is Mark Wagner. Mark, welcome. Welcome. That was a great blessing. Thank you. So Mark is a digital and traditional artist and teacher. And uh, for those of you that have come up in a shamanic life in my generation, you have seen Mark's art on the cover of magazines and books that you have uh, read. That you you may not know it, but you are familiar with his creations. Um, he has worked as a concept artist in the film and game industry, creating art through Pixar for the Disney feature film John Carter and for fantasy and science fiction films including Terminator 3 and Hallmark Entertainment's Dreamkeeper. He has also worked as an art director, production designer, creativity consultant, and matte painter. With a master's degree in arts and consciousness, Wagner specializes in visionary art and has an in-depth understanding of the psychology of visual arts, symbolism, mythology, shamanism, and storytelling. Recent clients include the Smithsonian Institute and the National Museum uh, of Natural History. Wagner is an internationally known street painter and chalk artist, chalk drawing artist. He's created a nonprofit, Drawing on Earth, which we'll talk about a little bit later, which inspires art and creativity in youth and communities around the world. Their first event set a Guinness World Record for the largest pavement art in the world, and recent clients include Genetech, SpaceX, and CBS Interactive. He lectures at the University of San Francisco and Stanford University, and more recently, um, Mark has worked on as a scenic painter and designer at Da Vinci Fusion, an events production company in Northern California. So if you'd like to look at um, Mark's work, uh, you can look at the website Heart, oh sorry, Hearts, H-E-A-R-T-S, and Bones.com or drawingonearth.org. Either way, you can click around. They're all linked up. Um, and you can also email Mark at mw at heartsandbones.com. So we are not live this week. Sorry about that. Uh, but do feel free to send us questions. If you have questions from the show, you can email me, Christina, at lastmasscenter.org or Mark. And we would be happy to do our best to try to answer you. Um, So regular listeners know that my focus is not really on training shamans so much as it is about infusing all parts of our contemporary life with a shamanic way of doing things, a shamanic way of looking at things. Um, And I personally feel it's the only way we're going to figure out how to have all this life on this planet actually live together in a good way. Um, So in, in other words, what I'm really looking for is that we do what we do in all the spheres of influence that we have have from a shamanic consciousness and with the help of spirit. And so it's, it's really in this spirit that I've invited um, Mark to the show. Um, so what I'm wondering first off, Mark, is so what brought you into art 
I mean, you're obviously capable of doing things that are eminently marketable. And yet you keep drawing human beings with animal heads and animals with human feet and <laughs> all of this stuff that, that, you know, that has you being asked to do book covers for Michael Harner and, um, you know, magazine covers. And I have Dreamtime and Inner Space, all these books on shamanism that you've um, done at least the cover art for. So how did that happen? Um, how did how did the shamanic world find me? Yeah, you know how did we find each other? Yeah, um, did it, like sneak up on you and jump you? Well, you know, I it it's now that I live in that world, it's been it was always with me, but it really it really appeared, you know, and it was with me in the sense of like just connection through nature. As a kid in Pennsylvania, there's a lot of um, I grew up near the Susquehanna River, and my dad would take us arrowhead hunting in the cornfields in the springs after they plowed them, and we'd come home with these pockets full of arrowheads, and you know it was all it was all dead and dead Indian energy really, mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't until I got into art school and started having these shamanic experiences through my art through working as an artist in, in my studio with my imagination kind of opening up that all of these kind of realms came together and I had a transformative experience in college that kind of just blew me open. And out of that experience, you know, that was really my initiation into the mythological worlds and of shamanism and of the native culture my own native culture as a person on the earth and um, a particular friend, uh, she traveled one summer and came back and she had, there was two, two things she brought back. One was Michael Harner's book, the way of the shaman. And I loved the book cover, you know, it was like the art on the cover spoke to me. And I also had met the artist who had done the book. And then through that, I read the book and through that, took a workshop with Michael Harner, you know, changed my life. And 10 years later, my artwork was on the cover of that book. <laughs> and uh, then the other thing she came back with was the word Sundance. And she had mm-hmm. been to a, a Sundance, and that also took me into a whole other realm of living. So did you begin to, to Sundance? I have. I have traditionally mm-hmm. Sundanced for four days for four years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. As, as a white man. That was a, an incredible experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in, in this then, did these experience then shift your understanding of, um, it's not really the job of art, but, or the power of art, but maybe the function of art. I, I don't know quite how to ask that question, but did it give you a well, window in to seeing yeah. what art can do? Yeah, and I would actually go with those first words that you used. You know, it's, 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 there is a, I would say the job, and I can't remember the next, the second word you used. Power. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, power, because if you look at, you know, if you look at the beginning of time for humanity, you know, it is directly connected to artwork. You know, it's the the oldest thing that we have that's still left that that points to some type of consciousness or awareness is the arts, is the old stone carvings and the cave paintings. 
And so there's, and then if you look at those and you try to imagine what was happening there, you know, there was something about the power of the image to help shift the consciousness of the person into and through an initiatory experience that has them be able to change their point of view from one place into another place that ideally has them connected to themselves and to their community and to the world in the bigger picture. This is, um, this is flashing me actually on a, on a story that I, I don't even know if I've ever told you, but, um, just to sort of illustrate exactly what you just said is, you know, I moved to New York to dance and ended up uh, illegally subletting a rent-stabilized apartment, which means, you know, I paid, you know, $287 a month in the beginning to live by myself in Manhattan, which is unheard of. It was illegal on the other hand, but nonetheless. And um, the woman who legally held the lease of the apartment was a friend of Mark's for and so his art was on the walls and and that I somehow Janet, Janet yeah <laughs> yeah and you know and there was I can still see these pictures and I swear you know these pictures were like the only there are three the only three things as my own shamanic initiation was starting to happen in Manhattan it's like they were the only three things that stayed what they were <laughs> as everything else began to change because they mm. they were always part of that world and i mm. I really um uh, missed them, you know <laughs> it's like companions on this journey. I had mm. to give them back, you know <laughs> mm. <laughs> I didn't want to my mom was a it was an old sort of man woman you couldn't really tell with a hat that turned into a raven or something like that i don't an know an owl an owl an owl yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that was a good one yeah and so these these um beings you know there's like the pictures were portals to these beings and they yeah. would um communicate with me when yeah. frankly i didn't really understand anything else at for yeah. a few months there so so you know your art for me, it's very personal that it was really literally the only beings who were there when all this stuff was happening to me. And, and it's almost like the fact that they were still there when I came out of it that I thought, well, okay, maybe I'll be all right. <laughs> you know, uh, okay. Not quite sure what just happened, but. Um, yeah. yeah. And Janet was the woman who I met at Michael Harner's workshop. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, we were, we were partners for on and off for a couple of years. So, Yeah. It's a very That's funny cool. small world, isn't it? Yeah, she but, met her husband at my studio uh, at a party in Oakland, and then she married my wife and I because um, she was an ordained minister at that time. Yeah, so good, yeah. good connections there. Yeah, oh, it's interesting. And and having that apartment come my way was the first real, first of many blessings that came to me in that time there. Um, wow. Here, I'll, so tell, anyway. I'll tell you then, the, the, what you just reminded me of was a, a something that just recently happened. I had a gallery show last year. I haven't shown gallery work in 15 years or so, been doing other things. and um, But I did a series of digital, um, I called them guardians. There's a there's a one that's a guardian of war, there's a guardian of nature, and there's a guardian of animals. And the guardian of animals is a kind of a, they're all photoshopped digital collage pieces. 
and the the animal guardian is a rhinoceros woman with beads on and it's it's a very stunning powerful piece for me and at the show a man sat there for a while and looked at that piece and he he came over and he goes he goes that painting just talked to me and it helped me understand and organize my entire life at this moment and i was like right on yeah and so this is kind of our point right that art does have a job and it it does things um done as a sacred process it has sacred work then in the world and yeah i would i would say that and the creativity and the imagination that it connects to are one of the fundamental um, tipping points that help transform someone just by uh, seeing because they see something that they haven't seen before or they see something that they understand on a deeper archetypal level. So you're speaking not on the surface of quote-unquote realism or something that's just the mundane or, or political, but you're speaking on a level that that their soul recognizes no matter who they are or what they're doing. And then that's that that's magic. And I think it 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 somehow allows the soul then to get into that mind place that sometimes pushes the soul out and reorganize things. <laughs> so the soul yeah. it's like yeah. supports the soul in rewiring things in the brain so we can see see it differently and be different. Yeah, I would say that it helps drop the it helps drop the surface or the anxiety or there's a level ultimately there's a level of you want to guide people to being present and from there then they can actually do good work in this world and i when i when i look at your work the other thing that i feel about it is it is it um to me it communicates deep emotion um but I, I mean by that uh, the truest emotion, um, not the crazy, chaotic, everyday American drama, but this deep – like there's an image. I believe it's an image of a man, maybe something connected to Sundance in the title, but he has a, a skull head on. And it's it like looks and – and he's got his hands on it. It looks like he's either trying to put it on or take it off and there's this kind of – to me at least when I look at that picture, there's this sort of – maybe confusion or something, but I love it because it, 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 it embodies this uncertainty around all of this power that is really present in the world. And when we're really in it, sometimes there's this, this dual place of, I don't know what the hell is going on, but I need to do this. You know? <laughs> you know? Is he standing in fire? Yeah. 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 I like that one. The, um, when I, that was a, that was in shaman's drum somewhere and a woman from out of the blue you know contacted me and said you know wow my son recently died because he burned himself to death you know he 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 killed himself by burning and she said that painting just like really spoke to her and we you know stepped into a whole dialogue about the experience and and how to move on and and understand that and be with that so Mm That's also the power of, of the work. You know, one person recently said to me, um, and it was about, they were saying the, 
the world doesn't know it needs your work until you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the world the world's kind of waiting, but it doesn't know it needs it until you actually complete it and do it. And uh, I, I understood that that somehow helped me. Um, and because I've had numerous times over over many years of people contacting me and saying that you know some pieces have really talked to them, mm-hmm. connected. Mm-hmm. Well, and I found this quote on one of your sites that says that creativity is a magical and sacred process. The process transforms the artist, and then the product transforms the world. Mm, that's a good quote. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. this this is, you know, that to me, it seems that there's this dynamic between those who have gone before us and the archetypal, you know, the arcs of life that we go through again and again and again as humans and all of that that has been and and gaining some sort of strength or understanding from that and yet there's this piece that is unique in each life this creative piece like and like you said that the world doesn't know it needs it until we do it and only we can do it yeah yeah i think that's part of um i used to say that my mission was to help liberate the creative spirit on this planet inside of me and you know in everybody but I've recently changed that and realized that what I'm most interested in is being a uh, important part of evolution. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whereas it seems that the most striking, powerful need on the planet is creativity. Um, and there's something there where I, 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 see my, I see my place. And even the work that I do with kids is directly connected to that. So let's talk a little bit about that, um, about the work that you do with kids, because this is another piece that I think is so important, you know, and very much aligned with shamanic values, which is that the the children, you know, we're we're done. (laughs) It's the children that are, that are bringing, bringing the dream. Um, So, there's kind of two pieces. Maybe we should start with drawing on the earth. Um, so, so what what do you, what is the goal there in that, and how could people engage with that or support that? Great, thank thank. Those are great questions. Um, the goal of that is to. Um, it seems like there's a lot of energy, particularly with elementary school kids, where. Um, I found my way by having little kids myself. My, my girls are now in high school and one's off to college. Um, but getting, you know, when I was a dad with little people, I saw that there wasn't any art teachers in uh, the elementary schools in our school district here in Northern California. And I just knew that that was wrong. And so by then creating a pilot, artist-in-residency program for a year, um, I was just blown away by the kids' pure creative energy. And it was by far some of the most exciting work that I have seen. And I changed my life. And then out of that, what I really saw was that, and my research was, you know, by fifth grade into middle school, kids really drop 
and close down and uh, the the imposed sense of quote unquote reality and realism comes into them so much that um, anybody who can't draw or realistically doesn't think they're an artist and then there's no one around to even teach them to draw realistically and so what I was seeing was that you have this incredible amount of pure, I call it, you know, one of the great um, sources of, of energy on the planet is kids' creativity. It's, it, it's the renewable. Um, but that we weren't anchoring, and I, re- I really love that image, we weren't anchoring their creativity in their bodies mm-hmm. when it's still alive. And so by the time middle school comes in and then into adulthood, most people have closed down shop and they're really far unconnected to it. And to, to get adults connected back in is a lot of work, if sometimes not impossible. Whereas kids, it's still there. So it seems that the best investment on the planet would be to creatively nurture little people so that then they can grow up and have access to all those dimensions and then help solve the world's problems. Mm-hmm. Creatively. Yeah. So how can people um, engage with uh, Drawing on Earth or support it? Um, you can invite us to come to your school, your town, your country, your corporation, and do um, what we do is do large chalk drawings collaboratively. So there's a lot of um, the 3D chalk drawing. There's a lot of big buzz in the world happening right now. It's starting to take off like crazy. You can just see it in the Internet everywhere. Um, but what I've been really interested in and sets us so slightly apart is this level of collaboration where we creatively create something bigger than one person can do and you get uh, you 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 get a whole entire school to work on one image, and they're doing their own things, but they're collaborating and they're they're creating together. And um, I have that sense that that makes a big memory. You know, they remember that. That's why we went mm-hmm. out and tried to set a world record. We did set a world record so that the kids would actually go like they, that's something that they'll remember the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. That was part yeah. of that, helping yeah. that anchor that creative spirit energy in their bodies. So, um, you know, we all, through our website, it's mostly me. We're a small nonprofit, but, um, you know, in, invite us to come and, you know, teach your teachers, you know, teach your um, students. It's it's such an a, a easy giveaway. It's chalk drawing is so... Uh, inexpensive and non-permanent and non-toxic it's great <laughs> great photo ops and you know do do pieces that uh, i've done five pieces of art so far that have been photographed by satellites and uh i'm not done yet that's kind of an exciting realm yeah <laughs> i also like the quality of that you're you're on the earth and yeah. that it's then that it's not permanent. It's not something that's going to hang on the wall, but it's on the earth, and it's a giveaway, and that's beautiful. Yeah, you can walk around it. You can roll in it. <laughs> it's um, yeah, right. And you're drawing on the earth. You're actually yeah. pulling or 
you're pulling like resources or life force energy out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. Now, you also wrote a book or illustrate, wrote and illustrated The Art of Being a Dad? Yes. And uh, that came out of, I, I love that book. That was, once I kind of finished that book on some level, I thought, you know, it's okay if I die. Because um, I have left my kids something that they will always know that I was there mm-hmm. with them because I recorded it. And, uh, you know, I co-parented, you know, kids as two freelance artists. My wife's a writer and I'm a visual artist, so we were both working at home in the trenches with two little people. And uh, half the time it was my time to be dad and... um you know, I took them down to the studio, and we spent mm-hmm. hours and days and months and years kind of there. And uh, just last weekend, they came to visit me here where I'm at, and uh, we were painting together, and it had been years, and I cellularly remembered being creative with them. And uh, so that book experience was that I started having insights into being a dad, you know, that where I would, like, there would be an experience, and this is kind of how I've seen work in the studio, is I'll, I'll be experiencing something, but I'll have an insight about something bigger than the experience. Like the experience triggers something, mm-hmm. and I just happen to be conscious of it enough that I can go, that's really interesting. And, mm-hmm. and I started filling up back of sketchbooks with insights until I went like, oh, something's happening here. And um, out of that came a book, and there was a point where those insights stopped happening, and I was kind of, I was aware of it, and then I wasn't quite concerned, but it was like it dried up. It literally dried up, and it took me a year to actually realize that that book was done, and that book was from baby to Mm seven-year-old, and my youngest had just passed seven. Mm -hmm. So it was like... (laughs) Whatever that was com- completed its cycle, yeah. and then the book came out of that. And the books, the book just got into the Apple uh, iBook Store, and uh, it looks so good on an iPad because it's electronic and it's right there. It's a, just such a great. So that everybody, that's the art of being a dad by Mark Wagner. So. Yeah, that's a great um, book. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's an aspect in your in your art that I think also connects to the power of storytelling. Um, yeah. Do you think about that when you're working, or do, does that work somehow hand-in-hand, hand or does it just come out naturally? Well, it kind of comes out naturally because that's, I think, at the core who I am as a, is a storyteller. And in art school, I first started in a fine art program in Pennsylvania, and what I was most interested in was the other program, which was, illustration. It was the illustrators who, one, they could draw really well, and that's what I was really attracted to. And they were telling stories. And mm-hmm. uh, when I look out into the world, the most interesting artwork to me is, stor- is, is stories. It's the fantasy, science fiction, you know, the stuff when I was a kid, not a kid, but a college kid, because it was, it was Penthouse and Play, Playboy and uh, Omni magazine, were just like the illustrations that were coming out of some of those magazines were uh, extraordinary and uh, I worked at the Society of Illustrators in New York City and hanging out with that level of storytellers and of the level of 
expert draftsmanship was exciting. So that a piece that's just abstract to me does not fulfill a need that I have, which is to communicate and to understand and to have reflected back to me some type of archetypal narrative that takes me somewhere. You know, what I love about shamanism is that there's a journey where you, in a sense, you go somewhere else and you come back with information and then you share that with the people, with the world. And that's what I do as an artist is that my paintings are journeys and I can stand in front of a painting and have a living dream you know, it's just the painting opens up and goes into lots of different directions. And I keep either asking what's really happening here, what wants to happen. You know, sometimes I hold paintings for ransom because I say nothing's happening here. So I'm going to turn you upside down and, and change you <laughs> something else. <laughs> or you got to, and the painting quivers. Okay, okay, okay. Um, or I, you know, I, the last big painting I did here, I started painting with my left hand. Because I'm I'm trying to get out of my way. It's just like yeah. constantly trying to get out of my way. And I'll just share with you this body of work that just kind of uh, opened me up recently was I'm in a new studio environment. I'm back to painting some larger paintings. I don't know what I'm doing. I stumbled into this piece where it wanted to be like a holding energy, like whereas a hand's on my heart and my a hand on my belly, kind of that kind of energy. And I thought, oh, man, painting, painting hands is so hard. It takes so much work. And if you don't paint them right, they look like crap. And, um, but I went ahead and I photographed my hands. And then I printed them out to see what kind of size would look right. And then I went, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm actually teaching a, a painting and collage class in college. So that gives me permission to be a collage artist. And I glued those hands right onto my painting, and I had this transformative experience where all this information started downloading into me about this whole huge series about, I'm calling it holdings. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's the hands through our senses. We know what hands are. So to see basically like real hands, they're my hands, and, but there, it creates a level of realism that then allows the painting to go really deep into the other worlds um, and still be connected to us or people. Or, um, you know, I, I just see that if you have too much fantasy in your work you and not enough realism you lose people because they can't they don't have the bridge for that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so these levels of realistic hands um i just got super thrilled about like a whole series that i've never stepped into before big and i see really big pieces really big mm -hmm, pieces. Mm -hmm. beautiful well you know that that but that what you just said about too much fantasy it's one of the things i talk about a lot relative to shamanism also as this creative process that we're in is, you know, too much fantasy is too much air. You know, it's, it's too mm -hmm. many ideas to, you know, it's, it's an, an excess of a good thing. 
Well, it's, and, it's hard. It's hard to connect to, and sometimes it's just too far out there. And our yeah. and our world and our culture has so much of it that most people are unconnected. Yeah, and that that we want to always be in that place of kind of a dynamic tension between the imagination and the creativity and the groundedness to to bring it forth. That it being wanting it to connect to other people. That there's this this reality place here that needs our creativity and we need to be in it not over it or under it <laughs> yeah Here, here's a quick little story and it relates to Jan, back to janet um janet was talking about she would because she can see into that spirit world really well and she would see that i would kind of leave my body and go out into this other place and from there i would paint pictures hmm and that's how she was describing then that I would lose some of my audience because they didn't have the bridge to go there. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, it's much more powerful to be here now, present in my body, and from here paint what mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. And I understood what she was talking about. And, and, and also were you really, able to make that shift? Yeah, I think I, think I, I, think I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other one I remember when I first got into the shamanic work with Michael Harner was that, like, it was all of a sudden like, oh, wait a minute. You mean the imagination could actually be real? Mm-hmm. Or that you mean there's actually, like, perhaps no separation between the imagination and reality? And that was a, that was a you know, changed my life. Yeah, yeah. So I was wondering, um, because ultimately you got this degree in arts and consciousness, you know, did that change your work or did it just explain what you're already doing in your work? <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to say it. Um, what it, you know, I was, what, what it did for me was it really brought awareness to the process so much more. So I became, one is a little bit less, concerned with the product because as someone described when you're done with the painting it's kind of like a dead bone or paintings are never done they just stop in interesting places mm-hmm. and so the where where the it's that process where the level of magic and the shamanic world when i'm painting opens up more than than any other place where i've experienced it um and then when that painting's done, you know, it kind of formulates or it, it, it solidifies. And, and literally, I reach for the next piece to pick up, right? It's back to that. There's a, it's the process that we artists live in and for. And the product's important, of course, because we, ideally we want to share that and to get paid for our services uh, as we push that work out into the world, kick, kick our babies out of the house. Um, but the, the graduate school in the arts and consciousness really also connected the sacred into the art much better. It really grounded that. It was yeah. like the, 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 the spokes, you know, I studied the spokes of the wheel of life, which were, religion, psychology, philosophy, science, mythology, the healing arts, it was all that stuff. And then the center of that was the, was the arts. 
Well, and I think we see this like in the film industry, for example, where you can cobble all the right bits together and make a movie, but it won't necessarily catch people's spirit if you miss the understanding of this uh, other other level that needs to be in there. This, the right, the symbols, the archetypes, those, you know, it's so the reason we all loved Star Wars and hated the prequels. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kept looking at it. It's like, wait a minute. The force was the concept of the force was like right on, but I just never saw it really used in a way that I understand the force or that yeah. I would have used the force in the in the film. You know, much more like the original one where you closed your eyes and you flew. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I so, feel I see a lot of films, and it seems like you know the unfortunateness is that there's so much money involved and so other so many other people that they don't quite get activated in a point where a transformation could really happen because yeah. they're such powerful vehicles. And then and, what's uh, amazing is the little the, the when it, when it does come together, and you're like, wow, you know, they 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 actually got it together that time. And maybe yeah. they didn't even know they did it. <laughs> you know, yeah. some, sometimes it really, uh, really comes together. Uh, but yeah, I remember is, like the movie, such... the, the movie Contact and Jodie Foster was like when mm-hmm. she's dropping in that space capsule thing and all of a sudden she's out on the beach talking to her dad. Yeah, like, and freaking out. <laughs> that whole sequence was really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's such a, a powerful medium and in particular for storytelling, because now the story it has the visual element working with it simultaneously. It's immense. Yeah. So, so you said earlier um, you were talking about grounding the creativity in the child's body, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's try something here. So, let's imagine. <laughs> that there's a bunch of big kids listening to this show. Um, and one of the things I've been trying to say for several months now with people is, you know, just start somewhere. You know? <laughs> I mean, just it's I, trying to get across this idea that we're not so much broken as we just have things lying dormant. And if yeah. we could just create the right threshold conditions, that dormancy could, could rise into action again. In yeah. So let's, let's imagine. So we have these listeners. Um, I, could you describe or create maybe a way that someone listening who's thinking, well, yeah, why can't I do this? Could 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 start to do something in their life to begin to to stir their creativity and begin to ground it in their body? Yes, I can. Oh, good. Phew. <laughs> um. Um. First is um I mean what I found is that if you can like let's say for art, so if there's a way um where you can ultimately you're trying to get past your inner critic because that's what's that's what's got the lock on something. There's actually a dialogue that's happening that tells you you can't or something. And so one of the ways that I found to bypass that is to do something for somebody else or to do something for a reason. So just to start doing art by itself might not be enough energy to get 
to bypass some of the systems that are already in place of you can't do that or something you were told when you were younger. And so I found that by dedicating, so a simple one that I do um, for beginners is we do timed five-minute drawings, and you dedicate your creative energy or experience to something else so that it actually has, it's the arrow that's going to a target. It's not just a vacuumous, like, I'm lost already before I even start. It's like, no, I'm actually going to do something for someone. And the first one that I pick is for yourself. So you actually do a five-minute drawing for yourself. And the music's up loud, and um, I'll talk more about this in a second, but we use our left hand often or through this whole process because trying to get away of getting away of the normal normalcy. So by working with your left hand, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, already your body wakes up. And so then the second drawing is for a friend or a family member. They could be living or dead. Um, but you're dedicating that five minutes of your creative energy to someone. And then the third one, which is always interesting, is for an enemy. It's for someone who has crossed your path. And in my college kids, I say, if you don't have one, you will. And um, so, you know, no one has really, that I know of, has really done a piece of art for an enemy on purpose. And one of the cool things is that by that time, you're warmed up a little bit and that other things happen. Like, you'll, if you can pay attention, you'll actually notice that when you're done after those five minutes, you will hold your enemy in a different way. They might feel less of an enemy, or it's like, wow, that was, you know, it just changes. You can actually tangibly see that change. And then the last one is for the world. You do something for the world. And what I've noticed about the left hand, for me, I'm right-handed, so I've been drawing more and more left-handed, specifically life drawing, is that my inner critic does not, engage when I'm on the left side of my body or left-handed, which is the right side of my brain. It's just quiet. And it's actually going for the essence of things. And I go back to my right hand and my inner critic just pops right in and says, oh, wow, that's really good. Or, oh, that's really not very good. And it's like my ego is like still living there. So I think that's a really interesting something that is worth exploring down the road. That's so there's, beautiful. There's, there's, yeah. So, so people, oh, the so, other one is the, oh, the other one is to set up a safe environment. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you have to have time and space. Candles, I find, I find are. I've been burning a candle. There's two burning here right now. I I have been burning a candle in my room for 35 years, like mm-hmm. basically all the time. Whenever I'm whenever I'm in my space, and it creates. It's like I know the the candle flame is like my friend and it's it's a safe energy you know it's the elemental beings are are really my gurus um it's the wind and the water and the earth and the and the fire um so you know music just that safe space and and i have a big circle painted on my floor (laughs) you know it's like i'm i work on creating a safe environment so that I can kind of drop a lot of other things. And then that also is helpful for that. Because ultimately you want to be at a place where where the artwork is feeding your soul. It's actually helping 
you move along. It's taking you someplace on a journey that's that's a, an unknown, unexpected, welcomed friend that proves that the universe is, is that, that that the universe loves you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me like this this last part you were talking about kind of connects into a question I was going to ask, which was about cultivating the or inviting the sacredness of the process. And it sounds like this is kind of the beginning of how you do that. Right. Yeah, I remember some old Inuit thing where they're carving and they're singing a hunting song. You know, who lives Mm -hmm. there? Who hides there? Who's there? Oh, Mm -hmm. a seal. You know, and they carve it out. And Yeah. um, yeah, I'm I'm always burning sage, and uh, you know, even when my paint is wet, I'm burning sage into the wet paint, so that mm-hmm. it just it's in the it's in there. Or I paint my studio room, and the walls are wet, and I'm burning sage, and it goes right into that wet paint. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I have enough spiritual, shamanic, psychic energy things all around that then support that, and. Um, Yes, I think it is a it's a invitation. You keep inviting the unknown to meet you halfway. I I, I describe it as partnership. You know, I keep mm-hmm. talking to spirit saying, I'm here. I'm 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 here. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I, I I love the aspect of holding your paintings for ransom. I think that there's this sort of necessary place with our relationship with our helping spirits that keeps us interesting to them that we're willing to be a little sassy sometimes (laughs) yeah 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 i can't hear you i'm not (laughs) painting another stroke until i can hear Uh yeah yeah beautiful so um you know if you could wish for something um, relative to people and art and the sacred, you know, like sometimes I wish, well, if I was sent to the gods to bring one thing back for humanity, what would I bring? And I always think I'd bring back a little more courage. Um, but what, what, what would you, what would you bring? I mean, if you could bring something and be known for that, that Mark really brought this to the world, what, what would that be? Um, what shows up in this moment is something that's, that I'm actually working on right now. And it's a, um, the largest chalk drawing festival happens in November in Florida, in Sarasota, Florida. And they have 200,000 people who come to see the art and they do big street paintings and they also do murals. So they call it going vertical artists from all over the world. And this year's theme is veterans. And when I heard about it, something, you know, knocked on my door and said, um, create a large ceremonial chalk drawing that's some type of integration with the vets back into society, like in the old days where they would welcome the warriors back, but also a place where they're invited to leave behind what no longer is of service and where the community can also um, participate and say thank you and the veterans can say thank you for the support or the, 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 um, the people who have, have suffered uh, loss or pain 
who also want to participate in this so that we would create like a 40 by 40 foot piece over a couple days with intention and ceremony and then activate it towards the very end uh, some evening and have some type of portal or something to go through or have a fire where we can burn stuff at or some type of crossing over or acknowledgement or some type of a soul integration mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that so so if i could give anything to this planet at the moment it would be to not have to uh, be addicted to war on the planet and be able to understand that there's archetypal energy that's that wants and needs to be expressed, but we can do it in ways where we don't have to uh, waste the planet and waste the souls of, of, of all the living things on it. Um, so there's something, I'm even starting a big science fiction story that bumps up against the same thing. It, it's somehow inviting me to uh, shed light on war and um and it and i can tell that the war it, it's it's not scary but i can i sense that i'm rubbing up against some big stuff mm-hmm. so i want to be cautious yeah and careful yeah. and Beautiful. uh but there's but there's something that's inviting me to uh you know make a movie uh, do a screenplay, you know, do make concept art, which I've already been working on it, that somehow addresses and helps transform that energy on the planet because it's still teenager, um, uninitiated energy that's acting out and it wants and needs to be initiated into a mature, grounded, responsible, healthy uh, supportive, loving, um, creative energy. Beautiful. I can see it. I can see it happening in Florida. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So mm-hmm. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll share that out. And out of that, yeah. then, you know, that could, we could easily, drawing on earth could easily travel around the world and work, work with some of that war energy doing some yeah. ceremonial work. So I'm reaching out to veteran artists. Um, I, w- I invite anybody who's listening to get in touch with me. And to, uh, I'm reaching out to Native elders, and I'll be reaching out to people in Florida from, you know, if we could get Native American, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, uh, some of the leaders to come together when we do this ceremony, that would be helpful. And so if you want to connect people, mw at heartsandbones.com. Just to throw that in there. (laughs) So... So to my listeners, so this is, this, is, this is what I had hoped would happen just by inviting Mark to be on the show here today would be that without a whole lot of preparation, we could hear and look on the website and see that, that shamanism isn't really meant to be this thing we go do over here and then we live our life in another way over there and that, that – I feel like what I've heard and seen is someone who is living their life as a 
you know, successful, creative, fun artist, good dad, you know, good partner, you know, living in the world like a normal guy, but doing so shamanically. And, and, and I talk a lot on the shows about living a life of legend that, you know, your descendants would talk about you eight mm-hmm. generations later. And mm-hmm. so this, this was kind of my point. <laughs> and I thank you for making it for me. So mm-hmm. thank you for joining me today. It's an honor. Yeah, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. This is great. I love our old connections. It's a it's a crazy little circle that made, didn't it? Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So everyone, um, heartsandbones.com, also drawingonearth.org. And then yeah. also if you're interested in the project he Mark was just talking about, feel free to just email. Um, so um, I give thanks to you, Mark. And to your ancestors yeah, <laughs> for dreaming too. of a future so we could be here on the planet living together. I like that part. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I give thanks to all of the ancestors that have gathered around us here today. I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and to the heart energy that unites us all. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, this concludes our series on art and shamanism. And next week, our guest will be Betsy Bergstrom. And she's going to join us to share what she's learned from years of doing depossession and extraction work about what the true nature of evil actually is and possibly what it really isn't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so thank you, uh, everyone, and have a great week.